Hello, it's Cello. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is episode two. First of all, I just want to thank all my listeners, especially the ones who have stuck it out this far. I see you and I appreciate you all. I have also received this past week an overwhelming number of messages from people who had said some really awesome and kind things and overall just showing support. This makes me so excited to just keep going and seeing where this project goes. Just so you guys know, I have a list of topics that I want to talk about, but it's not in any particular order. I usually find a topic that I really resonate with during the week and I just sort of go with that. Like I said last week, this episode is about my experience in the foster care system and being adopted. Every story of a kid who is adopted is different. Some are adopted as babies and some are adopted when they are older. But what is saddest of all and actually pretty common is that some kids are never adopted and they age out of the system. This ultimately sets up young adults to fail because they have no support system. They don't have the means to go to college, have a home, or even keep a job. I mention this because although my brother and I got lucky, some others don't get what we have and it's important to realize that. Luckily, my brother and I have a much happier ending, but also our story involves a lot of dark experiences as well. Looking back, I have learned this. My brother and I, being adopted wasn't just the work of one person. Our successful adoption involved a whole bunch of people who had our back supported us, and put us first, especially during the time when we couldn't necessarily speak up for ourselves. The biggest blessing, besides having two loving parents, is that my brother and I were able to stay together because we are biologically related, and we are as close as siblings can get because we have been through a lot of shit. He is my best friend, and honestly, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Our past and adoption story has come with many lessons that by far outweigh the shitty experiences. Because like we talked about last week, we can't change the past. We can learn from them and deal with them and figure out how they affect us now. So with that being said, let's dive in. My brother and I were born 18 months apart. When I was four and my brother was three, we were living with my biological father. He was an alcoholic and he would beat us with anything he could find from belts, shoes, to raspberry bushes. Growing up, I knew I was sexually abused, but my brain prevented me from knowing who it actually was. That's the thing about brains is they are pretty amazing and the brain protects us from having to revisit trauma. It's almost as if the brain takes all those traumatic memories and puts them in a box never to be opened again. That's why I don't remember much from living with my biological father But I do have flashbacks, even today. The face of my abuser was never one I recognized, and even now it's just a blank face with no distinctive features. I honestly believed up until last Christmas that I was sexually abused by a family friend or neighbor. With the support of my therapist, I decided to look at my court papers from when my brother and I were taken away from our biological father, and my adopted parents actually have a whole binder full of our adopted papers. When I read them, it had every detail from the arrest record of my biological father, biological mother, and from the neighbors as well. 
This is when I found out that my abuser wasn't a family friend or neighbor, but in fact was my biological father instead. It was a big shock to me because it's like I grew up thinking that fathers are supposed to protect your child, you know, care for your child. And I didn't think, you know, that my biological father was so cruel to do that to his daughter. But in the end, that's exactly what happened. And his reasoning was that he was trying to prepare me for life, which is actually really sad. But this was also when I found out that it was the babysitter who had reported him to the police. I guess she had noticed some odd things in the mornings when she would come and watch me and my brother. And she asked me some questions like why I was naked or where my clothes were. Of course, I answered truthfully. When she realized the truth, she didn't hesitate to do something. She went over to the neighbor's house and talked to a woman about what she saw, and they both reported my biological father of sexually abusing me. To this day, I don't know who these women are. I do have their names, but I haven't been able to track them down. They are the first people to actively involve themselves to make sure my brother and I were safe. I honestly believe that they saved our lives because... Who knows where we would be without their intervention. That night, the cops showed up, took us away, and my biological father was put in handcuffs. I also went to the hospital that night, and I underwent a rape kit where the physicians found evidence of sexual abuse. Now, at this point, I always feel the need to tell people that right now I'm okay. This is a very deep truth that I'm no longer afraid to admit. It took me 20 years to come to terms with this, but I'm a better person for telling it. I don't know where my biological father is to this day, nor do I really care. He did go to jail, and that's all that matters. I know that my story has more of a happy ending, but for some, they aren't so lucky. Unfortunately, this topic comes with a lot of stigma, and therefore a lot of women and men are ashamed to admit their abuse. Some abusers don't even get caught or put in jail. Some people have to live with their abusers. Some will tell their closest friends and family, but then are dismissed and told that they are lying. The rape culture in the United States does not favor the abuse, but rather it favors the abuser. And that is why it's so hard for some people to come to terms with their abuse and to report it and to admit it. I was sexually abused 20 or so years ago, and it still affects me to this day. When it comes to relationships, trust, and opening up myself to others. But also it affected my ability to understand the unconditional love I would have and that I would eventually get from my adopted parents. Even now though, I'm still ashamed a little bit to admit it. But as I start to admit it more to people, the less ashamed I feel each time. And the easier it is to accept it. And to be honest, everyone that I have told about my sexual abuse has responded in a positive way. There is no shame, no judgment, and just overall support. And that actually means more than anything. The first step to healing from trauma, especially like sexual abuse, is admitting it that it was real and that it actually has affected you. Only then can you begin to start to move forward really slowly. I wish those were my words, but my therapist taught me that. She would probably appreciate it if I stopped giving out her advice for free, but, you know, it has helped me this far, therefore I'm giving it to you all. So, 
continuing on, after that traumatic night, my brother and I were sent to a foster home with an amazing foster family who I still talk to to this day. They were really loving and took really good care of us. That was another blessing. Sometimes foster homes are terrible. According to a survey by Youth Today, 25 to 40% of foster children in the U.S. report being abused in foster homes. And by the grace of God, my brother and I were part of the 60 to 75% that had a semi-good experience. My brother and I eventually had to move from that foster home to my parents' house because my biological father found out where we were and started harassing our foster parents. Another key person here is also my biological grandmother, who always supported the adoption and managed to visit us in foster care, and I actually do talk to her occasionally to this day. Not as much, but, you know, I still call her every once in a while. The day my brother and I arrived at my parents' house was definitely an unforgettable one, but not in the way that you might think. We often tell this story because we all remember it so well. My brother and I arrived to my parents' home, and I'm not sure if I was carsick or nervous, but I was just not feeling really good. I was super nauseated, and the drive seemed to last forever. It involved a lot of windy roads, and when we got to my parents' house, the social worker walked us up to the front door, she knocked a couple times, and my mom and dad opened the door. Before I could even take one step through the door, I threw up everywhere in the foyer. But my dad, without hesitation, ran to get a mop and cleaned it all up. I remember vividly him holding a bucket and a mop in the foyer as we walked through. We often talk about this, especially when the anniversary of mine and my brother's arrival, which was actually February of 2000, comes around. Our family will make any excuse to eat chocolate cake. We have a chocolate cake on the anniversary of our arrival, which is in February, And then we also have a chocolate cake on the anniversary of our adoption, which was in November of 2001. My dad makes the chocolate cakes each time, and honestly, his baking is fucking fire. The only catch is he takes forever to bake because he's so precise and meticulous with his baking. But I assure you the wait is always worth it because it's always so good. Anyway... Up until now, the people involved in saving mine and my brother's life include the babysitter, the neighbor she told, our social worker, our first foster parents, our biological grandma, and now our parents, who still managed to love me, despite the fact that I did throw up all over their floor before they could even say hi to me, which is, I mean, quite an entrance, right? But my brother and I were adopted in November of 2001. By this time, I was traumatized with courts because usually when I had to go to a court, it was because I had to talk to a cop about my biological father and the sexual abuse. Little did I know that this time, it was actually to gain a whole new family. Naturally, I was terrified. I clung to my mom the whole time, but the adoption ceremony really didn't last long. After the whole ordeal, we went to our house and celebrated our adoption. My whole family, I would say, is definitely part of the village of people who had an enormously positive impact on mine and my brother's life. So remember how I just mentioned my family loves chocolate cake? Obviously, our adoption is no exception, except maybe the story behind this one. Um, And it's actually kind of funny. So a day before our adoption ceremony, my uncle was in charge of picking up the cake 
and also picking up my grandfather. My three cousins came as well. At the time, the twins were six years old and their younger brother was two. My uncle picked up the cake. And now keep in mind that there were two adult men who picked up this cake and both decided that putting a chocolate cake next to the two-year-old was the best idea. When they got to our house, the two-year-old had chocolate frosting all over his face and the cake was covered in tiny little toddler fingerprints. But in this situation, I mean, you can't blame the two-year-old. After all, the love of chocolate does run in this family and it's a big family value around here. I'm not going to name names on who is really to blame because my uncle and grandfather, if he were alive, might get mad. But that is definitely another funny story when it comes to this adoption. So the success of mine and my brother's adoption involves so many people, which goes to show that you're never truly alone and going through this life alone. People come in and out of your life for reasons we may not ever know. Some people will not always bring happiness, but they do bring lessons. The first lesson I learned is that blood isn't always thicker than water. And honestly, I just hate that phrase. Just because someone is quote unquote family, that doesn't mean anything. My brother and I were hurt by our biological family and managed to be welcomed into a new family that gave us the love we needed. Just because someone is family doesn't mean that it's an excuse to keep them in your life. Another lesson that I learned is that whether you see it or not, there are people supporting you even if you don't know them all that well. It can be family, a friend, your babysitter, and the neighbor next door even. The next lesson I learned is that unconditional love is possible and it is real. My brother and I came to my parents with trust issues behavioral problems, abandonment issues that we got from living with an abusive parent. My parents managed to take us in and love us enough that those issues slowly were replaced with good memories, love, and a family. In fact, actually, my parents didn't even read my court file because they didn't want it to affect their initial impression of us. They wanted to get to know us without any external factors. I mean, talk about unconditional love right there. I think that was the hardest lesson for me and is what really took me years to understand. I actually didn't call my parents mom and dad until I was maybe 13 years old and I knew that they weren't going to go anywhere. They weren't going to leave me. Unconditional love is a really scary concept that many of us don't allow ourselves to really grasp. In one way or another, people have let us down and so opening ourselves to be loved unconditionally is really difficult and almost makes us vulnerable to being hurt. I am here to say that although it is scary once you let yourself open up to the idea of unconditional love and the fact that it does exist, your relationships will change for the better. But that doesn't mean it's an easy process. I'm 26 years old and only just starting to realize this. Which leads to the next lesson. It's never too late to start to heal from trauma. Because I didn't really look into my past until I was 25, it means that I'm only just beginning to work through how it has all affected me now. And, oh, okay, I guess the final lesson is that maybe you shouldn't put a chocolate cake next to a two-year-old, which goes without saying, but is worth mentioning, I think. So if you get anything out of this, it's to cherish the path you are on, cherish the village of people you have who support you, whether it's your family or your friends. People say you can't pick your family, but 
I disagree completely with that. You can definitely pick your family. And if that family isn't made of people who are biologically related to you, that is totally fine. I always think about the what ifs in my life and I'm sure than ever that I'm right where I need to be thanks to everyone I have encountered in my life that are both my family and my friends. And I love this quote. It's from the TV show, The Fosters. And this quote says, DNA doesn't make a family, love does. And it's so true. Mine and my brother's lives are definitely proof that DNA doesn't make a family, that love is what makes a family. And that's why you can definitely pick your family. Anyway, that's all I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I will share my struggle with forming an identity of myself that I wasn't ashamed of. Not only does that include my adoptive side, but also my biological heritage and Mexican roots. It has taken me a long time for me to fully accept who I am and to be proud of being Latina, despite the fact I didn't grow up with the Latino culture. And I actually didn't start to speak Spanish until after high school. It wouldn't be until college that I would finally find my true identity and form the best friendships while also finding myself. I can't wait for you guys to listen. So until next time.